Welcome to Bible and Stuff, a podcast about the Bible. And stuff. I'm Glenn. And I'm Tanner. And today we are talking about the book of Job. Not Job, <laughs> as some confuse it to be, but the book of Job. Really, we're talking about half of the book of Job today because it's so dang long. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to split this up into two podcasts. Uh, which I guess we've done some in the past. We're probably going to start doing this a little bit more. But yeah, I, I think there's just a lot to unpack, so it'll be good to do it in, in two episodes. Yeah, try to strike that balance of going deep enough, but also keeping episodes short and concise. Yeah. All right, so Job. Uh, it's a big book, so like we already said, we're breaking it into two parts, but we're going to start at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Where you normally would. So I, I've i read this book, you know, a handful of times over the years and uh, heard sermons preached on it and everything, But and I feel like I say this every time we do this podcast, but I'm constantly learning something new. Uh, so there were a lot of truths that I I read this time that I just missed before or um, maybe just thought about in a different way. And I'm really excited to kind of dig into to some of that today. But why don't you, I think this is really helpful anytime we're doing a book of the Bible. Why don't you give us kind of like the setting, uh, where we're at, who wrote this, you know, just give us some background information on the book of Job before we dive in. Sure. So we actually don't have a lot of answers about the book of Job. Obviously, we can talk a ton about the content, but when it comes to the normal things we would look at, like who's the author, we don't know. Uh, When was it written? We don't really know. (laughs) No one super (laughs) agrees on it. Um, But even the setting and where the events of Job take place, we don't have a ton of information. They kind of give us very general uh, spaces like we know it's in ooze, which I'm assuming I'm pronouncing that right. Uz, and, but all we really know is it's not Israel. It's far from Israel. The characters in Job aren't Israelites, and past that, it's kind of just in a general setting. No clear place in history. Just not Israel at some point in the past. Okay, <laughs> and boom, there's the story. That's it. Um. But the story is actually where you start to get into the interesting parts of Job. And so, I think if you just ask someone who has a, some knowledge of the Bible, hey, what's Job about? Almost everyone would say, suffering, right? Yeah. But the thing about Job, especially like you said, reading it again, that has struck me is, Yes, but it goes about it in such a way, like such a weird way that you wouldn't expect. It's not straightforward, like people suffer, and here's very clear answers as to all, you know, all the questions you might have. But it's actually more rewarding the way that it's written than it would be if it just gave you a simple answer. Because I think we've all lived long enough to know that there isn't always a simple answer. Yeah. Well, and I think that's what's always been hard for me about this book is, uh, like, within the first few chapters, I'm like, okay, so based on this, should I actually trust God? Like, is he handing my life over to Satan and being like, hey, do what you want with my servant, Glenn? Um, it it kind of freaked me out the first time that I read it. 
uh, but reading it through this time, I feel like, like you said, it's not, there's no pinpointed answer as like, this is what happened. Here's the correct response to what happened. It's very like mystical and there's wisdom, but not direct answers. Uh, but there's just a lot that I didn't see before. Yeah. That may sound really gray and murky, but I think as we go along, a lot of it will clear up and you'll start to see how Job actually does give us a lot of practical things that we can apply. So, as you said, like Job is essentially setting out, Job the character and Job the book, to answer questions like, is God just? And even maybe a little deeper is, can God be trusted? Can I trust God? Yeah. So let's just tell the story. The very beginning, we have this kind of prologue to the book, the first couple chapters, and we start with Job. Literally, verse 1, we establish something really important about him, which is he's blameless. Verse 1 says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name is Job, and this man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. So he was a blameless guy who loved, feared, and followed God. But the book goes on to give us even more information about how Job is innocent and blameless and God-fearing. It's not on accident. He's actually very careful about how he lives his life. Because in verse 5, it says that Job continually offers burnt offerings for his children because he says, it may be that they have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. So he's thinking about himself. He's thinking about leading his family and wanting to protect them and to keep them in the will of the Lord. So he's a very careful person. That's exactly what I was going to say is we said in that first verse, like he feared God. And you can absolutely tell that by him making continual sacrifices for his family. Like he he's petrified of what God could do if if his family was with sin. Yeah. So we've established that he Definitely follows God very closely, but also he's really rich. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it lists out how many cows this guy has and all that stuff, but verse 3 makes it pretty clear when it says that he was the greatest of all the people of the East. So he's a baller, basically, (laughs) is is the point we're trying to make. So those are two things that are very important as we head into the next scene in the book of Job. Uh, which happens very abruptly. Uh, it, it just kind of comes into play. And this is where I guess I, I had some confusion as I was reading commentaries in addition to it. So I'll, I'll let you kind of unpack it and then I'll ask some questions regarding it. But the, the setting is, is now we're with God. Sure. Yeah, we start out of this very quaint story about a guy and his family, and then all of a sudden, we zoom out (laughs) to, like, heavenly court. So, God is essentially holding court with uh, these people around him, and kind of the picture that's painted subtly in the background as you read is uh, God's talking about his about how things are going and we see this guy enter that the book of job refers to as satan and as an aside we'll make this short that could either be satan as we generally understand him or it could just mean an adversary or an accuser 
I think it's probably just both. Satan is an adversary or an accuser. We could go on a long time about that, and it's worth looking into if you're interested. But as far as it's necessary for this scene, God's holding court, and someone comes in and brings an accusation and says, hey, actually, you're not all that great, right? Like, you don't actually have all this stuff together. And then we get to the point where God responds and says, well, have you, have you seen my servant Job? Like, this dude's killing it. Like, <laughs> he loves me. He's making lots of money. He's got a whole family uh, that he's taken care of. And Satan says, ac- accusing, as he does, but he only serves you because you've given him those things, right? Haven't you put a, and I actually loved reading this because this is something you hear in like, uh, you know, old school churches, a hedge of protection. Like you hear people use that in <laughs> prayer and stuff like that. And I, I didn't make the connection that that's literally in Job where he says, have you put a hedge of protection around this guy? Like you've made sure nothing has touched him. You've made sure he's not shaken. And yeah. that's why he follows you. So before we go on, Uh, I guess that whole scene right there was just so confusing to me. Like God is holding court and then all of like Satan just walks in and and, like this conversation comes out of nowhere. And I know in reading it that it's because it's the focus of the story. There's, there's probably more to it if we were to actually be in the presence of God as he's doing all this. But just as a reader, I was like, that was so abrupt. Where did that come from? Yeah, it's definitely, really kind of serves as like a flashback in the movie that we're watching. It's really just as, hey, we're going to give you some quick context, and now back to the story. And you, that in and of itself could be a whole story. Like, what is this? Tell me more about Heavenly Court. How is Satan getting in there? Are we just like letting him, you know, like walk in wherever he wants to? Like, they literally paint him as like this man who came in off the street. And God's like, where you been? And he's like, I've been all over the world, buddy. (laughs) Then I get like, this this is where I've always read it and been like, what? God, why? Like, you're just... Have you considered my servant Job? Like, you're just dangling on a little string there. And that was always, like, frustrating for me to try to grasp the concept uh, until we read through this. For sure. And I think if we're not careful when we continue on with the story, it can seem almost as if God's very callous or almost as if it does seem like he's subjecting himself to this argument that's kind of beneath him, that he doesn't really need to do. But I think if we listen carefully and we read carefully, we'll realize that the point is much bigger than what happens in this little scene. But like you said, he says, hey, have you considered my servant Job? Satan's like, that's a bunch of bullcrap. He only does that because you've blessed him. And God says, okay, try me. Try him. Like, take the stuff away. Yeah. Like, inflict him and see what happens. And so that really kicks off the story of Job. That really is the uh, point of conflict that's going to drive the whole rest of the book. And I think as readers, we start to assume that our questions about what has just happened are going to be very clearly answered. We start to think, okay, first of all, what, what, why, what happened here? Why is God allowing this? But it, it doesn't quite just come out 
and answer those questions. In fact, we see Job struggle with those kinds of things the whole book. And as we said, we'll get to, maybe we're foreshadowing too much. Cool. <laughs> um, the answers aren't as clear as we would like them to be. So again, we're talking about these questions of, is that even just for God to allow those things to happen to Job? He didn't deserve those things. And if, if God is or isn't just, like, is, does he run the world in a just way? Does he right. order things so that good people get good things and bad people get what's coming to them? And how do we reconcile when bad people get good things and good people get bad things? And one last aside I wanted to mention before we jump into Job and his friends talking about exactly what we're talking about now, I want to just reemphasize that the reason Job is suffering is never revealed. Hmm. And I think that's super important because when we suffer, when we experience suffering, I don't know about you, but eventually, if not the first thing I always ask is, why? Why God? Right? We always want to know why this, why me, why now? And I don't know about you, but similar to this book, it doesn't seem like God's all that interested in answering that. And maybe that's not even the case. Really, I think we'll find we are not even capable of understanding yeah. the answer. So... With that being said, we've got a lot that we're going to uncover both this week and next week, but let's take a quick break and then when we come back, we'll start talking about the suffering that Job actually had to endure and how it took a toll on his life, really. But yeah, we'll be right back after this break. All right, let's jump back into this. Before we took the break... We talked a lot about the book of Job and how it's usually interpreted by us when we first read it. We're going to be talking a lot more about uh, where we should actually be looking in this book for answers and, and wisdom. But we should probably talk about what actually happens to Job because uh, he goes through hell, basically. <laughs> I think the, the easier question to answer maybe what doesn't happen to Job? <laughs> Uh, Job has it tough. Um, so when Satan comes to inflict uh, these things on Job, he starts with basically taking everything he can as far as property, all his cattle are, are burned or killed, um, his family, his sons that we talked about, and their wives that he cared so much about and offered sacrifices for, he has these servants coming to him, one, two, three, four, and each is telling him, all these people have died. All yeah. your cattle are gone. God has taken away all of these things. And even after that, then Satan starts to inflict Job with sores. So at that point, he had nothing but his him, his wife, and their health, and then Satan takes that away too. And so Job is literally setting with sores all over his body and taking a broken piece of pottery to scrape himself as he sets in ashes Jeez. mourning all that he has lost. So lowest 
of the lows. I mean, Satan didn't just take some of Job's stuff and says, hey, <laughs> he won't worship you if he's a little inflicted. He took everything. In fact, the, I mean, as we read, like the only thing he left is his wife, right? Yeah. But she's not really on his side. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we read in Proverbs of things that are better than a quarrelsome wife, and that may actually be the reason why Satan spares Job's wife, because of how she reacts to this situation. It may, it may actually be worse that he still has his wife, and she's telling him things like, curse God and die. Well, and I think that's the part that we need to, uh, we, we didn't say this, like, Job is still, like, honoring God through all of this. Um, yeah. And that is her response to her husband. For sure. I mean, Job here says things like, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, which is such a powerful verse for us to know and remember and keep when bad things happen to us. Because despite both of those things being true, he gives, he takes away. Job still says, blessed be the name of the Lord. And as we've established, his wife does not necessarily agree with that viewpoint. (laughs) Uh, And so that's all Job has left. He has his broken body, a wife that is pretty much hates him at this point, and the ruins of what he used to own and the people that he used to be in his family. And his friends. <laughs> kind he of. does have some friends. But again, I think we'll find maybe they're not the most helpful. But... You're right. That's the next place we go. Job in his suffering is approached by his three friends. I'm going to try not to butcher their names. Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. So as I was reading this, and I think I kind of told you about this before, when I've heard sermons preached or I've read commentary, I am constantly hearing like, man, his friends suck. Like, they're not very helpful in any of this. But as yeah. I was reading it, I was like, yeah, maybe the, the advice or the things that they're saying aren't truth completely, but at least they're trying to work through it with him. I, I don't know. To me, it felt like it's always felt like they're having this conversation and trying to get to this point. And Job seems so back and forth. Um, so I don't know. I don't want to run his <laughs> friends through the mud in this completely. Yeah. I don't know. I I think that's a good point. Um, and, and this part is really tricky to read, right? Because this is the bulk of the book of Job. And I think this is where some people start to feel the slog a little bit mm-hmm. of reading through Job because there's a lot of stuff in there that said that some of it sounds right, but some of it doesn't. And you're trying to figure out what's what can you believe? What can you trust? What can you use? And sometimes it's hard to pick apart the good theology from the bad theology when they're so intertwined. And sometimes even good theology is just misapplied and misused in this situation. And so I think, not to give away too much of the resolution, but Job and his friends both have a problem here in that they have assumptions about what is or isn't true about God, and 
they're trying to make sense of all these things based on their limited knowledge. Okay. Yeah, that's a good way to approach it. And really, in the in the bigger picture of things here, Job's friends are simply his friends, but they also represent all this ancient Near East knowledge about God, human knowledge about God. So these three guys kind of represent some of the best thinking of the time that humans were doing about God. Really, the whole point of Job is that it doesn't quite cut it, but yeah. um, that's what's happening as Job and his friends are going back and forth. So let's talk about the sides real quick. One, all this debate is, is God just? Does he run the world justly? How do we explain what's happening to Job? Does he deserve it or not? Like These are the things we're talking about. And if we're thinking about just, then people are saying, if you're a good person, good things should happen to you. If you're a bad person, bad things should happen to you, right? These are the assumptions we're working with. And so then we have the two sides of the argument. Job says, I'm innocent, which we know to be true based on what the narrator of the book has already said in verse one. And therefore, this doesn't make any sense. This shouldn't be happening. And so eventually we see Job get to the point where he's questioning God. What are you doing? This doesn't seem right. I don't understand those kinds of things. Now, like you said, his friends try their best to help, but one of the things they latch onto pretty early on is, no, 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 no. You're wrong about God, Job. God is good and God is just. You shouldn't question those things. So the problem must be you, mm. right? Because we know bad things should only happen to you if you do bad things. And so you're, you're a sinner, Job. You have sinned, which... It's true for all of us, <laughs> but as far as the story has told us, we have to operate on what the uh, inspired author has told us, and that's not the case. Job is innocent, and that's why Job continues <laughs> to say over and over again, I am innocent. I didn't do anything wrong. I don't deserve this. Yeah. And so... Job and his friends go back and forth, and really the whole thing that they can't reconcile, which we've already talked about a little bit, is if God is good and Job is innocent, how do we reconcile the suffering that is currently happening to him? Yeah, you know, as I'm reading that, Job trying to continually say I'm innocent, I I can think to times in my life where like I've been accused of things, where I have been innocent, and I just... I get so upset inside because I'm like, why, why won't you just listen to me and believe me? Like, I'm telling you the truth. So I can see where Job's frustration is coming from. But at the same time, like being that friend, uh, if I'm talking to any of my friends and they're going through, I don't know, a hard time or, or maybe they're not seeing something that I see, like, I also don't want to just let things go by the wayside. Like, I'll try to work through it with them and be like, well, could it be this? Could it be that? Um, so I, I see both sides of what they're trying to fight, but you're right. Like they're just coming at it from the wrong angle. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny. You talk about being accused. I've kind of gone down this YouTube rabbit hole recently of watching interrogation footage for, 
uh, criminals. A lot of them are like bigger, well-known cases just because it's really interesting to me. And some of the people, you know, interject and give commentary on like what's happening. But of course, when you're watching these interrogation tapes of things that have already happened, you kind of have the benefit of knowing like how the case went, like whether these people were declared innocent or not. And it is natural for people who are innocent to like freak out a little bit to like get like really boisterous like i did not do this like i will tell you 110 percent, you're crazy this did not happen and so uh not to say it's job's response is always okay but it is normal like it is something we all experience a little bit and I think the other side of things, like, yeah, I think as friends, we want to help. Um, but when we're relying solely on our own knowledge, we're not all that helpful. I mean, and you have to think about the gravity of what has happened to Job. Sure. I mean, probably the thing we run into the most is like little things, like someone's having a conflict with a friend and we're trying to give them advice. But Job has had his entire life turned upside down. I mean, you think about the hardest things that have happened to people that you know, like uh, miscarriages, death of loved ones, like, like, and so on. It's like really, really bad stuff. And that is the kind of thing Job is dealing with. And honestly, I mean, you kind of see pretty quickly, probably one of the worst things you could do is go to that person and be like, you did something wrong. Sure this isn't your yeah. fault. Yeah. Yeah. So while we can empathize a little bit with the friends, it it's important not to, justify them it's important to yeah. yes it's important not to justify what they do and it's important to understand how damaging that can be based on what we know about job's situation so all of this takes place they're having these arguments back and forth and then job just kind of finally comes to like the bible says it's his ending statement yeah i mean essentially all this leads up to job saying I don't get this, God. You need to answer. Like, I, I need an explanation. I need you, if I'm going to serve you, to come through for me here and explain. And this, so going back to that court scene we have early on at the beginning of the book, we can kind of start to look at a lot of things that happen in this book through that lens of law and trial. And for most of the book, it's people trying to put God on the stand as the defendant, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's people questioning God and saying, you need to answer for what has happened here. And that's where this section of the book ends, through chapter 31 that's all we've had is back and forth and back and forth and no answers found. And then Job finally turns to the source and says, why? Why? He kind of like, you know, puts the proverbial foot down and and demands an answer. So uh, I know that we have, this is kind of leaving everything on a cliffhanger of sorts, but I think this first episode gives us a lot of background knowledge to really put ourselves kind of in his shoes or sandals or whatever you may have worn 
and <laughs> and get a feel for what he is experiencing, the conversations and arguments he's had with his friends, um, and really that like nail biting question of like, God, why is this happening? Uh, and then next week we're going to start the episode off not with God answering, but actually with one more response uh, from Elihu that you shared this with me. I just a, a good perspective of um, or, or a different thought process than the other friends took. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm excited to get into next week and, and talk about how God actually responds to all of this. Yeah. When we talked about splitting this up into two episodes, there's not necessarily a good place to cut it, uh, but we wanted to give each part its due. I've kind of been thinking about it in my head as part one I would call questions, period. Okay. And part two, I would call answers, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so I think you're right. It's worth setting in. It's worth feeling what Job felt. And, and, and we did answer some things this week, but essentially we're setting up to see what happens in the climax of the story next week and to see how all these things, in court, in, uh, including this kind of, sideways interjection from Elihu and see how all these things play out. Guys, we look forward to running through some more of this next week. We hope you listen in uh, to hear what what we've found out about God's response and uh, what Elihu has to say. Peace. The Bible and Stuff podcast is a production of Bible and Stuff. We do more than just podcasts, so if you want to know more about something we've covered on the show, just visit our website at bibleandstuff.com. Our show is hosted by Tanner Britt and Glenn Brand, and our theme music is by The Sing Team. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.